I'm Ann Hanley from Marketing Prof. Hi, I'm John Wall from Marketing Over Coffee. I'm Laura Roder from Edgar, and this is The Craft of Marketing. Hi, I'm Seth Price, and you're listening to The Craft of Marketing, where I go behind the scenes with professionals who are exceptional at their craft to discover the insights that they use to succeed at marketing. What do you do when the business you're in is no longer matching your ever-evolving goals? How do you turn where you are today into the business you want to run tomorrow? In this episode, I chat with Laura Roder. She's the founder of Edgar, one of my favorite social media automation tools. Laura's road to recognition didn't begin as a tech entrepreneur, but she's always been thinking about how to scale. She began early on as a blogger and social media consultant. She was even named one of the top 100 entrepreneurs under 35 in 2011, 2013, and 2014. Somewhere along the way, she hatched an idea to build a software company to scratch her own itch. The conversation is about that path, the tips, hacks, and strategies that professionals share with each other, but rarely talk about in public. This episode is sponsored by Playster, the number one platform for powering real estate listings on the web. For more information, go to playster.com. Welcome to the show, Laura. I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, you know, I am in a geeky way, a huge fan of both Edgar and of what you've done on social. And I'd love to start off by you telling folks a little bit about yourself uh, and what you do at Edgar. Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm really happy to be here. So I'm the founder of Edgar and I'm a marketing type of founder, not a technical type of founder. So I also oversee all of our marketing activities. That's awesome. And you've been running your own business long before this, but in the social space for a long time, you know, especially if we think about internet years. What what's changed since you started to now? Oh man. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been in the social media space for as long as it's um, been around, really. I started doing social media consulting in 2008, and that evolved into training, which evolved to Edgar, which is social media automation software. 
So a lot of, you know, technical details have changed, like Facebook going from what it used to be, fan pages. Uh, I feel like it's had a few names that I'm forgetting right now. Obviously, new platforms have come, like Instagram and Pinterest have become huge platforms. Uh, at the end of the day, I think a lot of the basics have remained the same, where social media is about sharing great content and being able to form a genuine connection with your audience. You know, one of the things when I look at you creating Edgar, you know, I think back to uh, Jason Fried from 37 Signals is creating, you know, a product to scratch your own itch and then turn it Mm -hmm. into a SaaS business. Tell me how that came about. Yeah, so that's exactly why we created Edgar. So in training business, we have a program called Social Brilliant, which was teaching people how to implement this really complicated social media strategy that that we were using ourselves. And that strategy was storing all your updates in a categorized spreadsheet that you then go through each category top to bottom so that you can keep repeating updates on social media instead of coming up with, you know, five new updates from scratch every day, which is what most people do and is not the most efficient use of time unless you have like a 10 person, you know, social media staff at your company. Yeah. Uh, so teaching people how to do this, they're doing it manually, but spreadsheets got really unwieldy. You can imagine with images was hard to manage. And I kept thinking, it's so weird that I'm storing my updates in a spreadsheet and not in the social media tool itself. You know, I was caught and pasting into my social media tool. I thought it's sort of like if WordPress just sent out your blog post, but didn't keep your blog post. So you could edit it, modify it and do whatever you want. So I thought, well, I want a tool where I can have my library of social updates all nicely categorized right in the tool. And I want to be able to repeat them really easily because I think you should be repeating your updates. Two to 5% of your audience, depending on the platform, is seeing any given update that you send out. So 90% plus has not seen it the first time. It's really smart to send it again. So that's what Edgar does. And, and that's why Edgar was created. And did you feel like the work that you had done with the training was validation enough that there was an audience for the tool? Yes. So we didn't do the sort of uh, lean startup stuff where we did, you know, a lot of surveying or making sort of a mock-up model and showing it to people because we figured, okay, well, people paid us money just to learn how to do this on their own and have to do it with a lot of work and this complicated spreadsheet. So probably if we just make it super easy and we just do it for them, probably they'll be willing to pay for that. And I thought, you know, very worst case scenario, we'll have an awesome tool that my company can use that'll give us a huge leg up if, if no one else wants to buy it. And you had already had a, a fairly substantial tribe before you launched. What kinds of activities were you doing in the beginning to gain traction? Yes, I had a, a huge leg up when we launched Edgar because I've been building at that point email list of small business owners interested in social media for five years. So I had about seventy five thousand on that list. So a very different scenario from you know launching to to zero. Obviously, yeah. allowed us to grow a lot bigger, a lot more quickly. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we started with that list, but Edgar is also a whole new business with a whole new brand. So it was actually a really fun experience for me because I really got to eat my own food. We were starting with zero, all of our Edgar social 
else. You know, I started a brand new Facebook page, brand new Twitter account. So I got to see, okay, does this stuff really work? <laughs> it's, you can do anything on social media when you have 30,000 followers work all right. Uh, so although we had some leverage, we also uh, started just like everyone else does with zero followers, you know, looking for interesting people that were social media influencers or like software that might be interested in what we were doing and, and just chatting with them on Twitter and telling them what Edgar was. And that's kind of how we got started. And, and that's something that we still do a lot. And when you think about your sort of customer acquisition strategy, what are you guys doing now that's different from when you first started? Um, you know, it's actually not so different. It's just more. Uh, our customer acquisition strategy is uh, content marketing, social media marketing, and Facebook advertising are the three big things that we do. You know, there's a lot more, I guess, nuanced activities within those. I think that's a great, I guess, marketing stack, um, especially for any software company. And we've really just scaled up what we're doing. You know, we had one full-time staff writer and now we have two. We just hired someone to do Facebook ads and other advertising full-time instead of someone doing that part-time. Uh, and obviously improving the quality, improving the systems of everything as we go. And the Facebook side, do you do that for direct customer acquisition or, or just to pull, you know, just to get folks into the funnel? Uh, both, um, but we have been able to use book ads for direct customer acquisition and, and that's usually what we do. Yeah. So my point of view is if you can get customers directly, go for it, yeah. you know, um, why not? It, that's, that doesn't always work with all marketing channels, but I always try to do that first and, yeah. and we have been successful with that. That's great. Um, tell me about your Facebook group. It's, um, it's pretty active and I think the mm -hmm. thing that I really, admire about it is that it's really transparent. Like mm -hmm. it's like, I've been in other Facebook groups for products and it's almost like they hide all of the things and the blemishes mm -hmm. that might exist at a particular moment, but you guys are like, you know, owning everything. And I love that. Tell mm -hmm. me, tell me about the strategy there. Yeah, that's something we do. That's sort of unique. So if, if you search on Facebook for Edgar HQ, you'll find our user group, and we really put a lot of thought before we started this group. This this isn't something we have because we had a place where we could connect with our users. We could really find out how our customers were using the tool, what's going on with them, what problems they were having, what they wanted. But we knew that you know anytime you open that conversation, people are going to use it as a customer service channel, which can really be a challenge. You know, if someone posts a problem in a Facebook group, you often don't know what their account is called, you don't know the email address associated with it. The customers don't always realize that, and and also people expect a, a basically real time response <laughs> on Facebook yeah, yeah. is is what I found. So. We're really big on being anyone open with our customers. And we also have a real passion for small business. So a lot of tools like Edgar go for enterprise, um, you know, they have a sales team. We're really focused on small business with those customers. We don't have any kind of sales department or salesperson. We just have marketing. And I love being able to dig into a small business owner's life and, and see what's going on, see what challenges they're having. So the, the downside is that sometimes we worry that people 
you know, looks Facebook group because people do often post like, oh, I had this problem with this tool or this is a bug. And sometimes, honestly, people will often call something a bug when it's actually one, it's maybe just something they don't like about the tool, you know, maybe does yeah. one thing one way, but they'd prefer the other. And they're like, oh, I have a bug here. So it can be like, oh, no, we don't want people to look at the group and think, oh, no, this tool is so buggy because that's really not reality at all. So some downsides, but the upsides are huge because we get to have these really honest conversations with our customers. Something I love doing is saying, okay, why do you want that? Someone might say, oh, I want to be able to add this feature to Edgar. And so we can say, how would you use that? And then someone else chimes in like, oh, that's interesting. That would be really cool. I would use it this way. So you really get to get deeper and, and get to know your customers really well. And is this, I, I actually don't think I even noticed, is this an an open group or is this just for customers? How do you, um, how do you determine who gets to be a part of it? It's an open group. I mean, we position it for customers. If you're so interested in Edgar, but you haven't bought it yet, we, we would certainly be happy to have you in the group as well. That is, that's fantastic. I mean, I think, you know, I've studied a lot of the, you know, social selling, consumer engagement, uh, folks out there and you know, across the board in any SaaS product. And this is, definitely unique. And I would say, I don't want to say it's risky because I think it's, it allows mm-hmm. you to stand out. Um, but the, I think the mm-hmm. risk, the risk you really made very clear, which is, Hey, someone could get the wrong perception. They could be talking about something that's really just a feature request and has, and has nothing to do with the functionality of the product as you've decided to build it. Um, tell me, um, one of the things that I was really curious about is you are very personal with your communication online has mm-hmm. that been integral to the success of your community? That's really interesting. You know, I do it so naturally now. I sort of forget that there's <laughs> any other way to be, I think. Um, because in in my training business, it was very much focused around me as kind of the leader, you know, me as sort of figurehead that does the training. Edgar's very different in that it's not, it's not based around me, but I do still like to interact with the community and share. And I mean, to me, when you talk online, it's just one human talking to another. I don't really know why you would ever formalize it or not share little things about your life. I mean, people love that. Just like I love hearing it about our customers. Like, you know, it's kind of fun because it's their Facebook profile. So yeah. it's also something people are using for personal use. So they have these little pictures of them and their baby. Oh, baby's so cute. How old is she? Like, it's fun connecting with people in that way. And I know that people want to connect with me in that way as well. And you, you know, when you do that, was, I, I actually have a question about the shift from the brand of, of Laura mm-hmm. to the shift of Edgar. Was it a conscious decision to go, Hey, it's not going to be my name necessarily. I can be the, you know, the brand evangelist or the, you know, mm-hmm. uh, industry outreach, but I'm going to have the company be first. Was that something that you thought about? Yes, it was, it was very deliberate uh, because it was something that I didn't always love about my old business. It felt very centered around me because when you're telling people, oh, you're going to learn from me, you're going to connect with me, obviously they expect you to be there to a degree. You know, yeah. there's people that have definitely scaled it larger with with their brands. Uh, you know, you think of someone like Tony Robbins, he has this huge brand, but he's still doing conferences, you yeah. know? still up there on stage. He's he's still very involved. And I did want a business where I could take more of a step back and not have it slow down the business in any way. 
you know, when you think about personal branding, you know, this is a, the world is a very crowded market, right? We've got tons of content. Mm -hmm. We've got, there's even for, you know, new entrepreneurial endeavors, there's copycats immediately. Um, that's just the nature of the beast. Do you feel like creating a personal brand is almost necessary at this point? Like what's your, what's your take on that? Yeah, I just feel like it's necessary. I mean, creating a brand is definitely necessary. And beyond that, people do love having someone to connect with. You can do it in degrees, just like we do with Edgar. With Edgar, we have this entire fun brand around Edgar, and we have this personification. We like to call Edgar he instead of it, and he's an octopus that organizes social media for you. And you might not ever know that I'm involved with Edgar, but if you have I guess I'm an Edgar fan and you dig a little deeper, you'll hear me on a lot of podcasts. You'll see guest posts that I write and kind of opinion pieces on business. So you can definitely do it in levels, but sharing your own personality is by far one of both the easiest and the most effective ways to make your business stand out because then resonate with you, want to work with you and, and you didn't really have to do anything so clever. You just be yourself. Yeah. I, are there any, I get asked this question a lot. Um, cause I, I write a lot. I mean, I just naturally write a lot. It's something that I love to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I speak publicly a lot, you know, both for my company and also outside of that people ask me, okay, I'm thinking about building my brand. What should I do? What would you tell them? Create content. So no one knows who you are unless they have a way to find your point of view. You you can know all your brilliant ideas, but you have to make it really, really easy for others to find them. And I do think that there's a certain value in a sheer amount of content, to be honest. I mean, obviously, it has to be a certain quality level. You can't just like, well, just find someone overseas to write some gobbledygook and stick my name on it. That's not going to work. But if you are a prolific writer or caster or video maker or you know periscope or now i don't think the format really matters but if you're more prolific at the content that you share it does start to feel like you are an industry expert because yeah. people just see you around all the time like, oh, i've seen that guy on every blog so so that really can help to elevate your brand yeah um you worked with someone who i admire which was marie forleo um mm-hmm. you guys started did you start b-school together is that correct Yes. Yes. Tell me, well, tell me how that came about and then tell me a little bit about B-School. Yeah. So, uh, Marie is a genius businesswoman and, and marketer in particular and copywriter. She's one of the best copywriters I've, I've ever met. And Marie and I became friends and school came about because she and I were going to a lot of kind of old school internet marketing, uh, conferences and, and training and things like that. And she, I both learned a lot from that world, but there were a lot of, uh, I guess like personality things about yeah. it that we didn't super jive with. You're, um, you're being very wasn't. polite. I can only, I, I know that world well. Right. If you know that world, you know what I'm implying right now. It's not always the most ethical, which isn't really cool. So, but we learned a lot of valuable concepts from it, especially about marketing and and online business. We've learned all these great basics. We want to teach things in a way that's 
ethical you know, for one, of course, just bottom line, yeah. um, but really more accessible, especially to female entrepreneurs. Because yeah. we both had a lot of women coming to us just, I think, because we're women and, and they can relate to us. So we started this little side project in 2010 uh, called B-School. B-School is in business school and it trains you to take your business online, all the kind of basics you need to know about business model and marketing and things like that. And basically, it just became this huge phenomenon very quickly. People really, really resonate with it. It's really high quality training. And I mean, there are thousands, maybe even tens of thousands at this point, people who have either started a student school or really taken their business to a much higher level to be school. And this is incredible. And I ended up leaving and Marie took it over just because I had my own business. We started as like a fun side project and very quickly it was like, oh, this isn't a side project. This is a <laughs> full time like endeavor. Than, yeah. Yeah. This is bigger than either of our businesses. So um, it's something that I'm really proud of. The the execution, because I remember when it launched and I followed it since, I thought the ex- execution was great. I actually went through the course because I'm I'm always curious. I sign up for lots of things. I probably have subscribed to, you know, a thousand email newsletters just mm-hmm. so I can see what's the first email and what's the second and how do they do the course? Like, you know, yeah. is it delivered via video? Is there a Facebook component? Um, that's how I dissect things and learn. Um, I want to switch gears and I want to talk a little bit about um, content and more specifically now that, you know, seemingly everyone is on the content creation bandwagon. How, how can we stand out? Like, how do you feel like you can stand out creating content? It's such a great question because it really overwhelms people. So something that overwhelms people is they think everything has been written about before. And that is true. <laughs> so you don't have to think of a new idea that no one has written about before. And this is where personality comes in so much because you don't have to find a topic that no one has written about. You're giving your unique take on this topic. And for some people, that's an article that's really, really well researched, has a lot of data points and has charts and graphs and has a hundred studies cited. Some people, it's just it's it's a angry rant, you know, talking yeah. about everything that's wrong with this industry, and that's well for them. There's no right or wrong way to do it. All that there's all different types of content that are accessible. So forget about trying to find this novel idea that that no one has ever explored before, and talk about the things that that are interesting to you and and that are interesting to your audience. Your audience is asking about. And do you, is that sort of the, they ask, you know, you answer strategy that you're employing at Edgar or are you doing something else? It's, it's really a mix at Edgar. So we, our blog at Edgar is a mix of very practical social media advice. Some of our most popular articles are things like how to find the best time to send a tweet, which by the way, is a great example that it doesn't have to be something no one has read about before. There's yeah. probably a hundred, you know, if not a thousand articles out there about how to find the best time to tweet. But guess what? There's even more people that still don't know yeah. <laughs> how to find yeah. the best time to tweet. They're looking for an article to make it really easy. So we do not bolt social media, stuff like that, that's 
more search friendly. And we also have had great success with kind of here's behind the scenes, how we do things at our business. Uh, we recently wrote a post about our uh, experiment with eliminating deadlines, something we've done within our business that, that really took off and was a really interesting idea. So we really try to observe what are we doing that's different that when we chat to our friends about it, they say, oh, wow, I've never, I've never heard of that before. You know, we really write a post about our Facebook group. Like you said, it's actually something very unusual. People are really interested in things like that. Yeah, there's um there's a buddy of mine, Alex Turnbull, from a company called Groove HQ. It's like a I I emailed Alex this this very day. <laughs> Are you serious? He's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. But his um his blog is awesome because he does you know similar to what you're talking about, but he does it mm -hmm. on the financial side. Like, hey, this is how much traction, and I think many, quite a few have have copied that. But he does such a nice job. If it sounds like you've already seen it. It's totally worth looking at um, for anybody listening, a way to be transparent about your growth and the challenges and the celebrations uh, and create awesome content in the meantime. Um, so one of the things that I think about that I find challenging is managing time. And this is, this is not meant to be a layup for Edgar, but when I think about social, um, I don't have a lot of time to spend on social because I manage a team. I've got a, you know, we've got a company that's growing really fast. I also mm -hmm. create a lot of content and yet I do want to be human on mm -hmm. the channels that I participate in, which I've now narrowed down to two, which is actually two and a half. So it's, it's Twitter, it's Facebook and it's LinkedIn. Um, mm -hmm. how do you, how do you manage it? So, you know, you're like, this isn't to be a, a layup for Edgar, but I can't help, of course, because it is. <laughs> so, you know, what we do at Edgar and what we also believe is that you shouldn't be spending your time on like grunt work of social. So the grunt work is like scheduling the message, loading the message in. Uh, it doesn't matter if you or a machine hits post button on Twitter, you know, yeah. it, that just, it doesn't matter. You do need to write the content yourself so that it's genuine from your company. So your time on social should be spent coming up with great content. And secondly, and very, very importantly, you need to spend your time engaging people, talking to people, following people, participating in Twitter chats, favoring things, liking things, sharing things, all, all that great social media interaction and engagement. That's how you want to be spending your lifetime on social. And you will not see big success with social media if you're posting 20 times a day, even if it's pretty good content. If all you're doing is posting, but you're not doing any of the interaction, you are really going to see your numbers drop and you're not going to see a lot of growth either. So... Well, I was going to say, okay, so I've, I com I've completely bought in. So, um, I use Edgar and I use Buffer and I use Hootsuite for listening. Actually, we're switching to some enterprise product, which I, I can't talk about yet because we haven't done it yet. Um, <laughs> and the, then the question is, okay, so I've got that and those things are scheduled. How do you, like, I don't want to be on social all day long. And yet mm -hmm. I want to be really effective to, you know, I'm, all, I'm sharing my stuff and I'm sharing some of the folks that I follow that I really admire, but I want mm -hmm. to use it strategically to stay in touch with people that, I, that I like and also stay mm -hmm. in touch with people that I want to work with. How do you think about that? And how do you think about use leveraging technology to make that easier? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a big question because I think there are a lot of strategies, um, but 
I would have a little routine for what you do on social. So one is valuable. You know, I referenced a blog post, finding the best time to post on Twitter. Best time to post is also the best time to engage. You yeah. need to be on these networks when your audience is on. So if you can strategically say, I'm going to sign on to social, you know, maybe twice a day, 10 minute blocks, three times a day and like five minute blocks. It doesn't take a lot of time. And I mean, this is another thing that's funny. People say social media is really time consuming. What's really time consuming is reading a bunch of articles. There's only so much time you can spend like actually talking to people on social, but you get sucked down the rabbit hole because that's what it was designed for. And you start watching videos and reading articles. So is always that you need to leave a trail. You know, you should look at Twitter's easiest one because you have account everything you've sent. So when you look at your Twitter account, there needs to be replies in there, there needs to be favorites in there, there needs to be chatting in there so that you know that you interacted with others. And, you know, one strategy using Twitter lists is a great way to just, you have a, a few influencers to make sure you're retweeting a lot. You make it part of your routine to make a list, go into the list and first 20 seconds, just retweet a few of their most recent tweets. It, it doesn't really time. Got it. And is that something you do? You create sort of blocks of time to spend there? Yeah. I mean, I can't say that we're as formal about it as I, as I just said, we don't have anyone on our team that's on social media all day. We have, for us, we have two people on our team um, that both manage social and they check in sporadically actually don't even know like how how many times per day they check in. Well, yeah, I would imagine you're also fielding support as well. So that makes sense. That's sort of how we do right. it. We don't have a I have wanted to hire a community manager and it's on our roadmap, uh, but I haven't done it yet. It's it's on the list. Yeah, yeah we don't, we don't have we're the same. We don't have that either, but but we would like to next year. So, I want to um, switch gears and talk about something you mentioned. So you're growing your team. Um, you've hired a couple of writers. I had a, a, an early stage startup ask me just yesterday. Um, I need to hire a content creator that is going to write. So Mm -hmm. the distinction between video or whatever else they might create, what should I look for? What did you look for? So both of our writers came from agency backgrounds. So they were used to being able to um, write from a lot of different brands and point of views. Like here, of course, we really only need them to write from one, which is Edgar. Yeah. But we knew they weren't stuck in, you know, they worked in the finance industry for 20 years and that's, that's all they can do. Uh, and also nowadays, if you find anyone that does have a background with online content, they're usually pretty savvy in social media promotions and SEO basics. And we did look for those things as well. We don't want someone who's just a writer. We want them to know the basics of how that writing gets spread because one of our writer is the person that handles all of our social content as well. And he also like, makes a lot of images on PicMonkey. You know, we're a small company and we don't have full-time people to do all these things. We need people that are like content Swiss army knives. So being a great writer is the core because everything is writing on social, your articles, all your status updates, your engagement on social, everyone's writing. So just look for a really spectacular writer who's also been in the online world enough to know some of these, these marketing basics. And just to get a little granular, how did you find them? Uh, just on job looking sites, you know, we're, we're a remote company, so we love the remote sites. Um, our most remote writer, actually, you know, it's funny, he works in an agency and they were using Edgar at our agency and then he got one of our emails saying we're hiring. So 
we sort of stole him away. Um, <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, that's how we found him. So if you could go back to the moment you decided to start Edgar, what would you do differently? That's a good question. It's a hard question for me because I'm such a believer in ever a test. You know, you don't really make mistakes. You try things out and some of them work better than others and, and you learn and try something again. Uh, we probably could have done a big launch to get more attention. We did it more segmented, uh, like trying out different email marketing sequences, people already on our list. And that wasn't a bad thing, but we probably could have got broad attention if we had orchestrated a giant launch, but you know, we're still running the course business at the same time, which we're now focused 99% on Edgar. So, and this is a risk to, you know, we really launch this being like, is what we're going to go all in on. It just depends on how people respond. So it was hard for us to have the bandwidth to plan one of those giant whiz bang launches. Yes. Um, Laura, this has been an absolute pleasure. I love what you guys are doing and I've really appreciated everything that you've shared. Um, what's the best way for folks to find out more about you? Yeah. So I'm very active on social media. Um, Edgar accounts are meet Edgar on Twitter and Facebook and my personal Twitter is LKR. Awesome. Thank you so much. And, uh, best of luck with all of your endeavors. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Craft of Marketing. If you liked what you've heard here, I've got something that I want to send you. I've put together a free cheat sheet of marketing resources to use for personal branding. I've been keeping all these private notes on the subject and decided to put together the ultimate guide to personal branding resources just for listeners like you. You can grab your free copy right now by going to craftofmarketing.com forward slash gift. And remember... Everybody markets in some way or another, but it's the craft we bring to the table that makes a difference.